Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Batter up. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 108 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Servich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Kellyanne Healy. Hello, Kellyanne. Hello, Allison. Hello, Linda. Hello. Hello. <laughs> as, as we mentioned uh, before we started recording, it's been quite a while since Kellyanne's been on the show because Hi. <laughs> we didn't record for like a month and then Maggie was on the first one back. Um, so yeah, Kellyanne's back. She's emerged from her grad school hidey hole. So um, he- hello. I don't know if you guys remember me or anything. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, right. I'm so kidding. Um, <laughs> But um, since the last time we recorded with Maggie um, two weeks ago, the Mets do finally have a a GM. Oh, my God. (laughs) They have a dude. I'm in disbelief. After being turned down by like more than a dozen people, um, the Mets have a GM. His name is Billy Epler. And as far as we know, he was the only one that actually got an offer and he was the only one that like would have accepted an offer anyway yeah because like i think there were some tweets that were like billy epler was the only one that got an offer from the mets it's like yeah because he was the only one who like would interview with the mets would interview or could interview i have to say like they tried they wanted to interview other dudes that other teams just blocked well and then yeah. also they like that adam crummy dude or whatever his name was but yeah. then I think Sandy got cold feet on that one. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened with that, but he was, you know, he was being discussed. Um, he he he's the one that got by far the most heat before Epler was ultimately hired. Um, but I don't think there was even like a formal like interview or anything like that. Um with him. So um, we do have a GM, uh, Billy Epler. He is, he started with in baseball with the Yankees organization, I believe as a scout. Um, And he used to be the GM of the angels before he was hired by the Mets. The angels fired him in 2020. 
I believe. Yes. 2020. Um, and I think during 2021, he was um, a player agent. I believe yeah. he was he was on the agent side. Um, this isn't a Brody Van Wagen in part two necessarily because you know, he does have extensive experience in front offices. It's not the same thing as like hiring a dude who's only ever been a player agent, but it is interesting that he now has both of those perspectives. Um, other things worth noting about him um, that are not as good um, is that he, you know, he hired Mickey Calloway. Uh, that was like my first reaction when I saw that the Mets were like talking to him and like, things it started picking up heat that it seemed like he was going to be the guy. I was like, Oh, yet another dude that hired Mickey Calloway. Lovely. Awesome. Like really way to clean up your image Mets of like your vetting process and everything like that. No, no, no. Our vetting process is good though, but we're hiring another dude who hired Mickey. Calloway. They don't care. They, no, they do. Sandy's made it clear. He doesn't care. So, I mean, I'm not surprised. And um, uh, Epler was also in charge of the Angels during the Tyler Skaggs situation where, you know, a very high ranking person in the organization was giving drugs to players and one player ultimately died because of that. Um, And, you know, Epler was in charge during that time. You know, you can you can say different things about like how much responsibility should he bear for this. But ultimately the buck stops with you when you're in charge of the organization, you know, regardless of whether he, you know, how much detail, if any, he knew about it, this all happened under his nose and on his watch. Um, And he got asked about these things about Mickey Calloway and Tyler Skaggs um, during they, well, he didn't get asked, but uh, Sandy, uh, and Steve Cohen got asked about it, um, by Disha shout out to Disha, um, for asking the question. (laughs) A few other people asked it also, or like asked follow-ups, but I think Disha was the first one to bring it up. Um, she was, yeah. Asked about it. Um, and they didn't really respond all that well to questions about, you know, like, what do you, what does it say about, your hiring process or like, are you comfortable given the fact that he hired Mickey Calloway and was in charge during the Tyler Skaggs incident. And they basically just said that like Epler was vetted and they're quote comfortable with his decision-making ethics and integrity. It's like, Oh, our vetting process is good guys. It's fine. Nothing to see. I here. don't trust your vetting process. I was going to say it hasn't been good at all. Like, the track record's really not there. Right. Like, how do you expect? It's just like it's so frustrating because it's like you can say that. But how do you expect anybody to believe you right now when you say that? Like, I mean, for on that side, it's lip service right now. It's just it totally entirely is. lip service. And it's not even good lip service. Well, and they boot. couldn't they couldn't point to anything concrete that they've changed either. No, it's like your process was already flawed. And now you're pointing to your process like huh? you're, you're going to stand behind that. <laughs> yeah, really. It's like. Come on now. I yeah, we're not stupid. Um, I mean, on a positive note, on a positive Epler note, he did get Shohei Otani over here. Yes. To the to and still lost. He had Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and lost. Well, I mean, yeah, I and again, I am not best player. I I, I was telling Allison, I was like erring on the side of not knowing how to feel with airing on the negative side because of Callaway and and Skaggs but on the flip side he walked into a mess into in 2016 like things were pretty bad with 
Anaheim, those Anaheim angels over there. Um, so it, this kind of goes into a broader argument about how long a GM needs, how much time a GM needs to make an actual substantive difference. Um, Epler had four years. If we just based on that, he didn't do anything because it was a sub 500 um, record all four years um, with Mike Trout and Otani. Otani was just this year, so uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it was just I, this year that he won the MVP, but he was on the team. But before. he was still on the team. No, he yeah. was still on the team. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just like so grad school. I'm out of my grad school bubble right now, guys. I'm like, it's like, oh my God, baseball, it's back. It's here. Um, And he signed Anthony Rendon, too, who had been coming off an MVP season. Yes, to a long-term contract. And I mean, like, you know, so it's not like the Angels haven't, didn't spend money during his tenure, but it's just like they they failed to build. It never came together. They never built their pitching. That's the problem. Yeah, their pitching development's been bad. And guess what the Mets need right now? Pitching. Um, And they, they basically, they failed to build around the core that they had. Um, and they just didn't give Trout and Otani and, you know, Rendon the support they needed to be a successful team. They didn't bring in the supplementary, you know, complementary pieces um, to build a perennial winner at all. In fact, it was a perennial mediocre team. Um, like so he's it's- good at getting the obvious people. But what about, like you said, like the supplementary players? Can he identify mm. those people? Right. And right now there's not really much evidence that he can. Um, I mean, you know, I, for what it's worth from a baseball perspective, I heard from a source that I will not reveal. (laughs) I don't want to be one of those like beat writer scoops guys. I'm not, trust me, I am not well sourced in baseball, but you know, I, it's like one of those things. It's one of those second degree things. I'm close enough to people who are well-sourced that I hear things occasionally. And in, in this is a case where I heard something um, from a source who used to work with him, with Epler in the Angels front office, um, that he was actually really good. Like he was really smart and really great to work with and, you know, was really like well-versed in his baseball decision-making, but he was held back in Anaheim by meddlesome ownership. And from what we know about the angels ownership publicly, like that Mm -hmm. is one can buy that because that's Mm -hmm. true. The angels ownership was meddlesome and we as Mets fans are sympathetic to that. We know what it's like to have a meddlesome owner in charge. Who's, you know, basically um, micromanaging everything the GM is doing. So, but how much of, Epler's failure to build a successful team we can pin on meddlesome ownership is unclear. You can't just you can't just like put it all on that as we saw back, yeah. with the transition to this new ownership with from the Wilpons. Like people liked to blame the Wilpons for all the Mets ills and it was abundant and is now abundantly clear that the Wilpons were not the only thing wrong with the Mets. <laughs> Oof. Oof. <laughs> so I so I am hesitant to buy that that was all that was wrong with the Angels under Epler. But, you know, I, I obviously this person worked with him, knows more than I do about him, certainly. So I'm willing to trust that at least this w- one person can vouch I mean, for he, him and said that he was really, really good at his job. So, you know, I mean, just just from 
the from the anecdotes that we've seen thus far, it seems like he has potential to be good on the baseball side of things, but it has not had the opportunity to have his full potential unleash. Um, but his off the field supervision is uh kind of questionable. Yeah, and like that's that's I think that's my take, my final take on it for the moment. Not yeah. my final take, obviously, if it's just for the moment. Oh goodness! And like you know, if if the if the thing holding him back is that he wasn't really in charge, is he really mm. in charge here either? Because he's got Sandy over his head, and that's why tons of people. That's a big reason why tons of people didn't want to work for the Mets. So like, Sandy needs to go. I know that Sandy Alderson said again during the Epler press conference, there wasn't much said of note by Epler himself, by the way, from what I'm told. I didn't watch the press conference, full disclosure. I was um, listening to Adele. Uh, so I decided not <laughs> to watch the Epler presser. I was just like, my vibes, killing my vibes. Uh, so I just didn't watch it. But I obviously read all about it afterwards. And basically from people that watched it, my understanding is that Epler himself did not say much of note. He kind of did the the used car salesman Brody Van Wagenen sort of uh, give answers that aren't really answers, but they sound really smart sort of things um, like we're going to keep all our options on the table, like all that sorts of like uh, like like politician like GM speak. Um, but, you know, Sandy Alderson insisted during the presser again that he's not going to be, you know, he's he's going to take like a, a lesser role. He's not going to like be micromanagey, but it's kind of just like you say that, but I'll believe it when I see it. I, hmm. See, I, like you kind of want to say that, but again, he kind of had to step in with the whole Porter situation. This just this has been an this has been an interesting beginning of the Cohen ownership, that is for sure. I mean, not 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 in a good way, but just interesting nonetheless. Certainly hasn't been boring. No. Again, that's not necessarily a good thing. And um, Epler faces a very big, big task. Um, in a move that sort of came as a surprise... Noah Syndergaard rejected the Mets qualifying offer and signed with the Angels on a one year, $21 million deal. Um, the Mets claim they never had a chance to counter offer on that deal. Um, but Syndergaard says he heard, quote, radio silence from the Mets and didn't want to be a part of a team that like with an uncertain future during this like transition period that the Mets are in. And so that scared off Syndergaard. Um, so what, what we have said on the podcast previously about how players are not blind to all of this that's going on in the front office has turned out to be absolutely true. Um, it's clear, it clearly was a factor in Syndergaard's decision. It is. I mean, and it's also, it's, I think it's also notable that it's just a one-year deal. So Syndergaard's kind of banking on himself in part coming back from Tommy John, um, and there's a bit of a theory slash hope, at least hope on my part, that he'll come back after this year, maybe, hopefully. I don't know. We'll see. It was it was a very surprising move on to me just because he had openly said on multiple occasions that he wanted to be back. He'd be happy if the Mets um offered him the qualifying if um the Mets put out the qualifying offer. 
um, and just really seemed to enjoy his time in New York. And it was, to me, it was a little more than just the typical lip service, like, oh, I would love to be with the Mets next year. So again, just a surprising move. No, I don't think we'll I don't I don't think he was lying about that. Like there's all this like animosity now that the fans are directing at Syndergaard, which I mean, like, of course, I should have seen this coming from a it's certain segment of the fan base, um, you <laughs> it's know, Mets Twitter, it's the that Mets they would fans. act this way. But like they're like, oh, he like he duped us. He, that, not, like none of that is true. I think he wanted to come back to to the Mets and they didn't like say anything to him and he was getting better offers. So he was just like, Zach oh, okay. Miller 2.0. right. Like, Ugh. I think this, this, you know, like the, this certain segment of the Mets fan base that is willing to blame everyone except the Mets for the Mets problems, you yeah. know, is, is primed to just be like, well, you know, he must just be a diva. And like, also like, it was more money. Like, you, yeah. are you telling me that if you would you leave three million dollars on the table? I don't think you would. No, no you wouldn't. Joe from Queens. <laughs> I don't think you would, sir. Like, they gave him twenty one million dollars. That's more than the qualifying offer. I'm sorry. I don't blame Syndergaard for one second for chasing his for getting his bread. I don't blame him oh, for one second. God. <sighs> Well, I personally, I wish him luck in Anaheim. <laughs> we're gonna, I'm going to be saying, I think we're going to be saying that a lot over the the coming uh, coming episodes. Um, oh my God. If Marcus Stroman signs with the Angels, I might cry. I really might. <laughs> I really might. Is there someone, any- someone, someone tweeted that out today to him with Syndergaard and Loop and Stroman in the Angels uniform. And I was just like, no, please, please, for the love of Dickie, no. Oh, man, there's no like actual rumor about Cindy about Syndergaard about Strowman like and the and the uh, and the angels is there? No, there isn't. It's just people. Strowman's kind of been like teasing a little bit about where he's going just as like a complete joke. It's no actual hint as to where he's going to land. It's just kind of like niggling the fans a little bit. Um, and it was just a response to one of those tweets. Um, an Angels fan just threw up the the um, the mock-ups of it was Syndergaard and Loop and no, it wasn't. It was Syndergaard, Shohei Otani and Strowman. It wasn't Loop. I'm sorry. It was well, just Loop it was did sign the, with the Angels. Yes, it was the um, it was the starting rotation, not the relief. But Loop. Oh my God, Loop. Yeah, <laughs> that's another it's, one. It's sad. I mean, like. Seventeen million dollars, a lot of money. Good for him. Yeah, he that's, deserves and that's it. a good, especially like coming off of this year. That's that's good. That's good. Um, he good absolutely deserves it. Um, so oh, we're gonna miss him. We are <laughs> gonna miss him and his bush lights and his bush lights. Um, so yeah, that was you know, it's like angels stop poaching our players. I even saw like someone had mocked up um a Mister Met to the angels oh good god thing it was it was really funny actually i thought it was funny um but yeah i mean (laughs) that is funny i'm just i'm just imagining like mr met with angel wings and the halo and then i don't know he had the little angels hat on in place of his (laughs) mets hat his mets hat um it was good but yeah, like Strowman, the one thing Strowman did do is give the Yankees the big old middle finger, which I appreciate. Yes, <laughs> that yes. Was 
amazing. He was basically like, my dreads and my tattoos aren't going anywhere. So uh, I, think I don't think anybody the Yankees. I think anybody that's not a Yankees fan absolutely loved that. So oh, it was great. And and he also said so he said Marcus that, Stone, and then he also said that. like like. Uh, something like, oh, that big payroll continuing to let you down year after year. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, he's being savage. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. He's going in. It was amazing. I um, love it. So, so that was great. But speaking of the pitching market, so now that Noah Syndergaard has rejected the Mets qualifying offer and signed elsewhere, the the pitching situation becomes rather dire now for the Mets because they basically have DeGrom, and then they have, and it was already dire to begin with, uh, because obviously Noah Syndergaard, even if he returned to the Mets, was never going to be a sure thing because he was coming off of Tommy John um, and basically wasn't throwing off speed stuff. Uh, so you have DeGrom, um, who is also coming off an injur- injury riddled season, mind you. But, you know, oh. he's DeGrom. I feel the most confident in him out of anybody. Um, and then you've got. Taiwan Walker, who, you know, clearly had some issues with the load last year. Um, And then you have Carlos Carrasco, who is obviously very injured. Um, And then you have, uh, you know, Tyler McGill and David Peterson. And, you know, that's it. (laughs) Like, it's it's not a good situation. The Mets need like two starters minimum. Minimum. They need two. That said, the 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 starting pitcher market is very fascinating this off season. Um, I mean, I don't think like the Mets aren't going to sign Kershaw. That's, that's ridiculous. And personally, I, and I'm going to, I feel like I'm an unpopular opinion on this. I don't want them to sign Scherzer. Um, but yeah, there's, there are some interesting, very interesting names on this free agent picture list. This well- off season they already took them out of a bunch because they said they wouldn't sign anybody with a qualifying offer attached to them so that means and he the um the uh, mouthpiece for mouthpiece <laughs> martino or mentioned oh robbie ray specifically so there that already thins the pool of who they can even go after yeah, and uh, there's yeah. there's been a bunch of discourse about that in particular today. Um, that was frustrating because, like, of course, you have the same people, the same segment of Mets fans who are mad at Syndergaard, the same segment of Mets fans who are always willing to carry water for the Mets, whatever their strategy is. It must be genius because it's the Mets, which is like, where is your evidence for this? Where's your precedent for this? Like, why are you carrying water for this team when they've never given you a reason to do so? Um, Mm -hmm. But they're all like, oh, it's really smart for them to do this because like they shouldn't give up their picks when they need to replenish the farm, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, they have put this out there and now they lose all the leverage with the non-qualifying offer guys, regardless Mm -hmm. of whether you think it's a good idea to do to pursue this strategy or not, which I don't think it's a good idea because like Linda said, you're eliminating yourself from like half the good free agents right off the bat, which is, I think, you know, not smart, but even if you say, okay, even if you think the pick is worth it, sure, but don't say that to everyone. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Because then you come into the negotiations with the non-qualifying offer players with no leverage because they know you're desperate to sign them. Well, and also it was a bad look because at Billy Epler's press conference, Cohen is like, oh, we'll spend to get the players. And it's like, oh, no, not like that. 
Uh, like, make up your mind. Either you're going to spend or you're not. Like, the only way you're going to compete next season is if you're paying for it. I feel like Cohen has less of a baseball IQ than we had hoped, but is also more hands-on than we expected. I feel that that's an observation that I have. I don't know if that's necessarily accurate. That's just my perception of things right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think <sighs> he's used to true. doing things his way and getting his way. And that's not how baseball works. There's like. That's not how this works. It's not like, how any of this works. Exactly. Like he was complaining. Like, I forget who asked the question or what even the question was um, in the press conference um, about how long it took them to find Epler. And he was like, well, you know, other people have contracts that they have to honor. And it's like, yeah, you can't just buy somebody out of their contract. And I think he's used to just being seeing talent or somebody mm-hmm. he wants and being able to just be like, come work for me. And that's that's yep. not how baseball works. Nope. Right. There are boundaries. There are <laughs> guidelines. <laughs> and- there are structures in place, my dear, my dear Steve Cohen. Basically, when it comes to the actual names on the pitching market, as as Kellyanne mentioned, it's an interesting market this year and uh, like kind of interesting in a bad way from the point of view of the Mets, because basically like the way it shakes out is you've got you've basically only got two major guys who are both on the correct side of 30 or, you know, Mm -hmm. like around 30 years old slash like not on the at the end stages of their career and like mid to top of the rotation talent, which is what the Mets need. So you basically have two of those guys who are like the premium Mm -hmm. guys. It's Marcus Stroman and Kevin Gaussman. Gaussman. Those are the two choices. Um, And I would argue that the Mets need one of those two guys minimum. They need one of I say they need both. I think they I, I would love it if they signed both. I don't think they're going to, but they need they really do need both. But yes. their minimum, they need one of those two because otherwise they're kind of screwed. And then yeah. everybody else is either, you know, a lower tier talent than those two or an equal talent, but o- much older and will mm. command probably less fewer years, but like probably higher or at least equivalent, if not higher AAV. Uh, and I'm talking about like the that that's where we're talking about, like the Scherzers, the Kershaw's, like those guys who are aces to be sure. Absolutely. Ace level talent. But, you know, are older, a lot older and carry a lot more risk as far as like injury and decline. Um, Kershaw's not as old as I thought. He's just like he's the same hover- age as Jacob deGrom. They're six yeah, months he's- apart. Yeah, he's 33, hovering close to 34. It's just he started very, very, very early. Very early. Yeah. 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 He's got a lot of miles on that arm. He's been in the say, game a he's, really he's, long time. He's been around a while. Yeah. yeah. And Scherzer is 37 right now. Yeah. And Scherzer, talk about mileage on the arm. Scherzer has a lot of mileage on the arm. Um, and so, you I mean, know. Uh, and obviously, he's great. But like the reason I don't want to sign him is because his back has been barking a little bit in the past couple years. And honestly, I don't trust the Mets staff to handle him properly if he's injured. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> correct. He's going to turn into a pumpkin as soon as the Mets sign. That like, too. That too. Like yeah. he'll just immediately like spontaneously combust and that'll be that. And the other thing is like, okay, maybe he does have a couple good years on him. And that would be great. Obviously having him and Jake at the top would be phenomenal. Yes. Still Scherzer, but the contract later on, if he's not Max Scherzer anymore. Well, it depends yeah. on how it depends on the years of the contract. Yeah. I mean, I think Scherzer's probably going to get, I don't know, like a two or three year deal with like really high. Yeah. yeah I think they were thinking like 40, 40 Oof. a year. Oh, that was one Oof. projection. I that's saw. really. Oh, that's I know really it's Scherzer, high. But that's really that's high. really high. That's really high. Um, But yeah. But and so- also. Getting back to Noah Syndergaard for a second, it seems like the Mets made the conscious decision to let him go. Like they, they, like you said, he never heard from them. The like they could have checked in with him and been like, "Hey, are you getting offers from other teams?" Like you know, because even Anthony DeComo kind of got sassy on Twitter because somebody was like, "Well, what were they supposed to do? Like hold his hand and say what's going on?" And he goes, "Literally, yes, yeah, that's literally yeah. what they need so to it be seems doing." Like they I thought mean- the qualifying offer was enough, and or they knew he was being wooed by other teams and didn't care. Like, I think they didn't think he was worth it because if they would have made a a stronger push to keep him. I mean, I also, I also think this is where the no GM came into play here too. Yeah. The Mets Um, literally didn't have a GM. Yeah. During this whole thing. So I think one, one article say somebody didn't even know who to contact on the Mets. Like free agents were saying they didn't even know who to contact. Yep. 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 So, so that that speaks for itself. Yeah. There's clearly a front office in flux. Yep. And Syndergaard made no bones about it that he didn't want to be a part of that. And one cannot blame him. But no. they could have made and that's a bigger a- effort. Like if they knew the angels were talking to him, they could have, if they really wanted him, they probably could have. Because he, oh, yeah. he did. He said he oh, wanted yeah. to he abso- Absolutely. Which, which is, again, I said earlier, I think... I'm glad it's a one-year deal just because, A, he's banking on himself again, um, but B, it opens up the possibility that he can come back next year and that, hey, the Mets maybe will get their shit together and be a little more organized next offseason if there's no lockout or strike, let's hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, and so speaking of impending lockout or strike, <laughs> so... On December 1st, the, you know, like there will have to be some sort of pause if they don't come to an agreement there. Like that's not necessarily indicative that there will be a strike that will last into the season, but it yeah. will cause a disruption. And I think that we're already seeing the ripples of that in the market because of these early signings that went for a lot of money. And I think it's yeah. because guys want the security uh, before this, during this uncertain period, like teams yes. and players want security. So I, I mean, think that, and it, 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 sorry, the market's actually moving quickly because of that. And the Mets could well, find themselves on the outside looking in very fast. They already kind of are. Yeah. Having well, gotten, and, well, a, they did say Baez is hoping to sign 
before before December 2nd, so we could get a decision on him pretty pretty soon. I think Matt's is going to be tomorrow, I think I read. Yeah, yeah they decision. said it's like Stephen Matt's is eight teams. It's like, give me a I break. know. Well, that, that, that's what I mean about the market. So like once yeah. you get past, you know, Gaussman and Stroman, who might who they might sign quickly, but they might not because like it might be a while before that plays out because I think that a lot of guys are like waiting around to see them set the top of the market, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But then like beyond that, you've got the older guys who are going to get shorter deals at high AAV, which we already saw with Verlander got the high value one year deal. So I think there's going to be a lot of things like that going on with the older pitchers. And then you've got the younger guys who, who just like Steven Matz, who just aren't as good as Stroman and uh, Gaussman um, or don't have as much of a track record, I should say. Um, so Steven Matz is one of those like kind of lower, t- like lower, like mid tier, I guess, like lower than Stroman and Gaussman, but like, you know, not the bottom tier. So like kind of one of those mid tier pitching free agents. And he's supposed to be deciding soon where he'll sign. And the Mets are one of the teams in on him. But supposedly, like Linda said, there are like eight teams in on him, which is the eight teams being interested in Steven Matz is quite a lot. Uh, for someone of his caliber, not to say he's not good, he's fine, but like eight teams, like, you know, trying to outbid each other for a dude who's just like fine is says a lot it's about the market it, right now. Yeah. How sad is it that an impending lockout is what heats up the, the market? Like, this is what should be every offseason. People should be competing. People should want to sign free yeah. agents. People should want to compete. But it's like almost the opposite right now. Like it's because of labor unrest. Now that we're getting a hot free Asian market. Like that just doesn't compute to me. Yeah. Um, as far as it's bad, other- it's all bad. <laughs> it is all bad. <laughs> as far as other rumors regarding the Mets, other players they've been connected to. So Kellyanne already mentioned Javi Baez. Obviously, we knew that from the start that there was mutual interest in bringing him back. But I obviously. Linda oh, mentioned him. Linda me. mentioned him. I'm sorry, Linda. Uh, I thought it was Kellyanne that said that. <laughs> nope. Um, my fault. Um, it's okay. So we knew that there was mutual interest in the in him coming back uh, to the Mets, but obviously the Mets are not just competing with themselves. They're competing with everybody else. Uh, the Red Sox reportedly have interest in him as well. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. I hope, I hope the Mets manage to bring him back because – they need something. They need to do something quickly. Uh, they need to lock down one of their major targets like pretty fast for me to feel like even remotely okay. Um, the Mets have been connected to uh, Starling Marte, uh, which is not everybody no surprise is connected to him because everybody is connected to him, and also because the Mets also has a, have a desperate need in the outfield. And Starling Marte was a name that's been talked about, you know, a lot. Um, yeah. So he has a robust market. Uh, and a lot of competing offers, I bet. Um, and then the other player that the Mets have been connected to is that um, Japanese slugger Seiya Suzuki uh, was posted, um, and the Mets are quote give him to me the possibility of signing him. Um, Mets give him to me. That would be great. I mean, sign him. I mean, um, sign him. He would solve a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would solve a lot of issues, and it, like. You know, it would be great if the Mets would, you know, make a splash on the international market again, which specifically the Asian market, which the Mets have not done in 
quite some time. Mets were basically and they have a guy who has done that before. Just saying, the general manager does have some experience with that now. So, mm. yep, sign yep. him. Sign um, him. Would love to see Suzuki go to the Mets. That would be really fun, uh, and we would solve a lot of needs for them, namely in the outfield. Um, mm-hmm. So that'd be great. Uh, but yeah, who knows? I mean. Sandy Alderson is clearly not a person that takes takes risks on the international market. That mm. has been true throughout his tenure as GM and and president of baseball operations, team president. <laughs> Every title he has held during his uh, his two separate tenures with the Mets. So I don't know, but obviously, like Kellyanne said, uh, Epler has experience in this market. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, that's I'm, kind of the I'm hoping that. I'm hoping the team president slash GM situation is going to be like what it was. I feel like what it was intended this year was that Sandy would stay on this year, kind of train Jared Porter and then be off on his merry way to retirement. That's what I'm but hoping then that, as well. That, that I'm hoping that now happens with Epler. Let's cross the fingers. So yeah. Well, for me, you know, seeing that you said that for me, I think Sandy's plan all along was always going to be Zach Scott. Like I, this is me like tinfoil hat on um, reading the tea leaves, but Sandy like unprompted keeps defending Scott. And then athletic article came out that Sandy, like Colin basically had to intervene and tell him you got to fire this dude. And then you had, um, Buster only defending him while a player just, a football player drove drunk and killed somebody and Buster was still defending Zach Scott. So it seemed to me like reading the tea leaves, it seemed like Sandy really didn't want to do it and wanted to keep Scott. And that was his offseason plan. And I think, I don't know if that is why it also took so long because they were on plan B at that point. If Sandy's original plan was Scott. Yeah. I mean, I, I think at this point, we can all say that Sandy is not the best baseball judgment. Oh, my God. I totally phrased that incorrectly. The best judge of baseball knowledge in modern times now. I mean, he he's was not a good evaluator of character. Either. No, like, you're gonna no, keep he's not. On? No. And, and, I mean, and, okay? and, we, and we've seen that with a, a lot of his other signings, too um baseball or front office wise Mm -hmm. so i mean i was very surprised originally when cohen brought him back because i was like okay we're kind of jumping back into the past here and i mean like alderson was never a a, really a willpon choice 100 just because he was brought on to fix the willpon mess in a way um so i just i still find it a very curious decision that cohen brought him back to start his own ownership tenure. Um, but for me, and I think for a lot of other people, it's just clear that this is, this is not his baseball game anymore. And it's not and a lot of things in terms of character and in terms of, of just personnel and actions are being accounted for now that were not in the past. So I don't know. We'll see. He needs to go. Is the moral of the story? Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, I, yeah. I don't know if any of Bottom that just line. made sense. Bottom line, Sandy needs to go. I hope that made some sort of sense. Yes, I'm. <laughs> I'm fine with him. You know, sticking around for this year while the Mets get 
you know, Epler acquainted. Um, Please and, let nothing go wrong. And then he can Kill go off into the mess. sunset. Everything will go wrong. I, I, I know it'll go wrong, but let's hope it doesn't go wrong to the point where he has to stay on another year or yeah. 10. Well, he's got four years at least. No, I meant Alderson, not not Epler. Oh. Epler, yeah, Epler was signed to a four-year deal, by the way, for those of you that missed that teacher. But also, that also means, like, Cohen's timeline was three to five years. They already blew through one year. So that means he's 100% sure these next four years, Billy Epler is the guy. So if he wants to stick to that window and that time frame, he thinks Billy Epler is the guy to deliver that? Apparently. I guess so. We'll find out. We'll, we'll see. I mean, like, you know, I would like to I would like to s- you go first, Allison. Obviously, the like we mentioned, the Mickey Calway situation and, you know, that, you know, whole theme of like poor judgment of character troubles me a great deal. But as far as his like baseball acumen, I am willing to, you know, wait and see and give him a chance. Well, I feel like he's just like a dude until they get Stearns anyway. Like he's, I don't know, like, is he going to be that invested if they, he thinks he's always going to be looking over his shoulder until I know. Stearns gets And here. that's why no one wanted to come to the match. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he, I mean, his opening press conference, he seemed, you know, invested or whatever, but I don't know. Unless like. I mean, it gets into tampering unless they promised him like, hey, Stearns is coming and you get to stay on in a year. Like, did they promise him something like a side deal or anything like that? Because him and Stearns are apparently besties. I don't know. I mean, if they but- did and the league finds out about it, multiple times bad. <laughs> you can't do that. Pandora's box. Hello. So, yeah. Hopefully I that's put past Colin try, though. Oh, no, no, not at all. No, not at all. Good Lord. (laughs) One mess. Mr. Financial Crimes. Exactly. Dickie on a cracker. (laughs) Hopefully that didn't happen and we won't have a legal mess on our hands next year. (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) Nice simultaneous sighing. I'm knocking on my wooden desk. Anyway, speaking of crimes. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. How come on the show we're always talking about crimes? Crime. This isn't a crime Insert. podcast, by the way. This is not a true crime podcast. Law and Stay Order, t- a podo. <laughs> Stay tuned for Law and Order, baseball, a podo. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. These are their stories. <laughs> these are their stories. Um, I think I just found the title of this episode. Um, <laughs> I was going to say this is also a good ad break, too. Yeah. Ad break. Bloop. Uh, bum, bum. <laughs> bum, bum. We'll be back shortly, right after these messages. Bum, bum. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. So, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm going to be laughing for a minute. <laughs> I'm going to mute my mic. <laughs> Don't mute yourself, Kellyanne. <laughs> You're not supposed to. No, I can mute my mic, not cut off the Zoom. Um, I, figured out I can mute my mic. Oh, good. 
Um, anyway, that aside, um, so, uh, one Dave Portnoy got a 6,000 word. Per- I counted them. I, uh, well, I, I didn't, you know, count them with my fingers. I like, I, I, pasted, I counted, no, I pasted the text of the article into Microsoft word and did word count. It was over 6,000 words. It was like 6,300 words. Um, profile about him in New York Magazine. And yeah, like I know, like it wasn't all like, so I didn't, it, full confession, I didn't read the whole thing because I didn't want to, <laughs> because I don't want to read 6,000 words about Dave Portnoy. Um, I, I skimmed to get an essence of what it was. And like, it's not like the profile was fully like, you know, deferential to him or like, you know, like a positive, like, you know, glowing profile of Dave Portnoy. Like there was, there were criticisms in there of who he is and his actions, but like it was a 6,000 word profile with a lot of quotes from him in it. And, you know, so like, again, cancel culture is not real. <laughs> this like, guy this doesn't need a platform. He, he has his own. You don't need to give it to him. He's CEO of a giant meat or he's not CEO. He's founder. Sorry. Their CEO is a woman. Um, he's he's founder of this giant media company that will basically publish whatever he wants. And he's been credibly accused of sexual assault by not underage girls, but teenagers slash like girls in their early 20s. Um, and yet we continue to write 6,000 word profiles about him in New York magazine as if that is remotely necessary. We don't need his side of the story on this. We just don't. You don't have to both sides everything. We don't need to hear from him. I don't want to hear from him ever again. Damn it, Allison, I hadn't heard about this profile until this morning when I read Faz's tweet. I was like, okay, this is this is something, a tweet I agree with, not knowing that this profile had been written. I was not really unaware of it until now. Normally, when I talk about articles on our show, I promise that we will link it in the show notes. We will link it in the tweets. I'm not going to be linking this. If you want to go out and promise not to link it. We promise not to link it. If (laughs) you want to go out and find it and give it clicks, that's your prerogative. I urge you not to. Um, Don't do it. Don't do it. Not because it's like poorly done necessarily, but just because it's not necessary. It's not necessary. Stop giving him attention. Stop giving these abusers attention along that same line. (laughs) Like, you know, even, you know, putting that aside, is he really that interesting of a dude? He's just a frat, oversized frat bro. He's not. And part of the article tries to make it seem like he came from these humble beginnings. Like, they try to make him out to be like this bootstraps sort of dude, right? He built he built this huge media empire from nothing, blah, blah, blah. He's not. He's just like a, a frat bro who like stumbled ass backwards into like this bro culture. Yeah, like he's he's a 42 year old man or whatever. You can man. only fail I can only up. fail up. Literally yes, it's the line, what I was thinking. It's literally the line from the good, good place. place. I took the form of a 45 year old white man for a reason. I can only fail up. Like fail up. it's exactly like the dude Dave Portnoy is like he came from some suburb of Massachusetts that's like one of the richest suburbs in the country. Like it's not like he like 
came from nothing. Like, this is not, no, it's not some bootstraps, like, story about how he built something from nothing. Like, that's not his story. And it's not interesting. He's just, he's just a bro. Like, there's nothing interesting about him. I'm a bro saying, or I am saying no to his broness. And I think we should move on and not give him any more attention. Ha ha. Right. Like, let's not give these dudes oxygen. Speaking of which. Another do we have to do, do we have to? Yeah, I'm just going to mention it again. Okay. This is not something I'm going to link in the show notes or the tweets. This is not going to be linked, but it's, it, I feel like it's good to talk to talk about it because it's on this same theme of like, can we not yeah. give these dudes oxygen? So Trevor Bauer tweeted <sighs> for the first time in a while. He you know, he's been mostly offline, probably considering like, he's still under investigation. Probably someone like people, people have probably literally taken his phone from him. Um, But apparently not, though. I know. Right. Um, He tweeted for the first time in a while. Of course, he chose the immediate aftermath of the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict to tweet about said verdict. Um, And I'm not going to I'm not going to link the tweet. I'm not going to read it word for word. Basically, the essence of the tweet was, you know, equating himself to Rittenhouse and being like, oh, don't believe, see, don't believe everything you read in the media and making him out to be making himself out to be some sort of martyr. Um, And it was gross and incredibly enraging that he chose this moment of of pain for millions of people across the country to make it about him, uh, which is so fucking gross. Um, But the reason he's doing it is because he knows that it's gross and he knows it's going to make people mad and he knows it's going to get engagement and he knows he can do it to be relevant again. He's it's a desperate plea to stay relevant. So I am begging you, if you saw the tweet, don't rage, quote, tweet it. Don't reply. Don't reply like angry memes or tell him to fuck himself or whatever might f- you might feel the urge to do that might feel good in that moment because it's what he wants. He wants attention. Don't engage with it. Don't play his game. Just ignore Darlings, it. Darlings on Twitter might on... <laughs> wait, wait. That was my Apple Watch activated Siri, apparently. I was going to say, who's going on Siri right now? <laughs> that was me. Um, I... I am a brand new Apple Watch owner. Sorry to everyone. I'm not, uh, I have no, I, I don't have much Apple well, Watch experience and apparently I can activate Siri by, I don't even know, saying well, something you know what? Let, let me, let me just say, Siri, can you block Trevor Bauer? Can you mute the terms Trevor Bauer on Twitter for me, please? <laughs> Guys, do that. It's the best thing that you can ever do. Yep. I have him blocked. It's great. Yeah, I have a block. I have any terms relating to him mute muted, so he does not ever come up on my timeline. I never hear him mentioned other than right now, and I'm really frustrated that I heard about him now. Um, Although along those same lines, um, that um, I don't know if you saw this, that um, Yasiel Puig dropped Blue Buzz, his agent. <laughs> I did not. I did see that. <laughs> so she has one client, and she's currently sleeping with him. Yep. Oh, Very cool. Um, womp womp. Girl anyway. boss. But, but moral of the story, mute and block features on Twitter are there for a reason and they're wonderful. Use them. Don't give these, don't give these abusers oxygen. Don't engage with their social media shit. And don't give them 6,000 word profiles in New York Magazine. 
this has been my TED talk. Thank you. <laughs> this has been Law and Order of Poeto. Dun dun. A bomb. <laughs> All right. We will end the show <laughs> on a happy note, uh, like we always do, with walk off wins, where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. Kellyanne Healy, what is your walk off win for this week? Oh my gosh. So. I think most of you know I have started graduate school again for the second time because I'm a masochist, but it's Thanksgiving break. I'm alive. I have my sanity intact and I'm enjoying it very much. So that is my walk off when I'm enjoying grad school and I'm surviving grad school and I've made wonderful friends, even though we're all online and it's wonderful. That's great. Well, enjoy your break too. Oh my God. Am I ever well earned have a- break? I have a beast of the last three weeks, term papers, presentations, group projects. Oh my God. Pressure. Yeah. This was always the worst time of year because you're trying to get ready for the holidays while, you know, it's final season and Mm -hmm. it's so hard. It's a struggle, but I believe in you. Thank you. You can do it. I believe in me too. I I have a lot of confidence right now. I don't know why, but I do. You can do it. (laughs) That's good. Linda Surovich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Well, Kellyanne kind of mentioned that she hopes that Noah Syndergaard can come back after a year. And I'm here to say it's very possible because Cam Newton returned to the Panthers <laughs> after a year away. And that was a really bad breakup. They treated him really bad. Wow. And so if he can forgive the Panthers and come home, <laughs> and stop the nonsense and be where he belongs. There's hope for the rest home. of us. Carry me home and I'm flying home. Sorry, little Jason Robert Brown there for all you musical fans. Yes. <laughs> That's my walk-off win is Cam Newton's home. Excellent. It made me very happy. Like I legit cried. Like I had a bad week, a really, really bad week. And uh-huh. that's really stupid. And that was like my only joy in my life at that point. So Cam saved me. That's good. Yeah, and Cam's joy. If you don't like Cam Newton, you don't like joy or fun. And I feel sorry for you. That's my welcome win. <laughs> um, <laughs> I slink under to hide under my desk right now because I don't watch football. I think Cam Newton's football. He is. He is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, I will get you into hockey. <laughs> you have been coming. Listen, I saw, I saw, because I saw the, I, I wanted to comment on the, sorry to, to deviate for a second, the black New Jersey Devil oh, jersey. Oh, so bad. And I, I like them. You like them? <laughs> oh, Ew. Killian, why? I don't know. I think, I think they could do with a little less stripes, but overall, I like them. It just says jersey, and we're like, yes, that exactly. is exactly correct. That's it's the whole jersey. thing. It's a little, it's like the little witty. It's witty at the same time. It's saying, <laughs> hey, New Jersey, yo, it's Jersey, bitch, and I'm wearing a jersey. It's got multiple meanings. I well, like it. The memes are so funny. Like, they put, like, pants and glove helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. <sighs> Well, my only reason to care about football has been eliminated. So I officially am fully out on the NFL. You guys, 
as a proud University of Delaware graduate, (laughs) only the only football player I have ever cared about is Joe Flacco. And during the (laughs) six years that I lived in Baltimore, Joe Flacco was the quarterback of the Ravens and they won a Super Bowl right after I moved there. So I became like kind of a Ravens fan. I was like, all right, I'll try this whole NFL thing only because of Joe Flacco. And obviously Michael is a Jets fan. So when I started dating him, like, I had to like, you know, at least like be in the room while football was on sometimes. And so then Joe Flacco came to the Jets. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get to watch Joe Flacco again. I'm so excited. And then he was and then he was like, I'm not vaccinated. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. And now he has COVID. And he was just. COVID, but he was because I think the other quarterback has it and he was in contact with the other quarterback. So he has. Oh, OK, so he doesn't actually have COVID, but maybe not yet. He <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's tested positive. But since he was in close contact with the other guy, he has to quarantine because he's unvaccinated. LOL. I mean, <laughs> since since you're a Jets household, someone should come up and visit me since the Jets training headquarters are relatively close to me. Just saying you should come up for a visit. Yeah, I, I'm just going to drop that in this pod. Yes. Um, my, my walk-off win though, this week is that, um, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, um, we celebrated my best friend's 30th birthday in New York city. Um, and it was a fantastic weekend. We just, you know, we hung out at her place, um, pre-gamed a little bit, had some pizza, played some games, hung out. Um, went out to the bars and it was just a great time. And we had like a really nice girls weekend. It was awesome. Like just no complaints. 10 out of 10. Awesome weekend. Um, Those are always the best. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's fun because like last year, I mean, last year was like somewhat tampered down because of COVID. But like last year, like basically all my friends turned 30. And so we had like big 30th birthday celebrations to the extent that we could socially distanced, you know, in my case, we went to like a big, we went to a a farmhouse brewery, but it was like outside. So we just all sat on blankets, like six feet apart from each other um, and stuff like that. And now obviously like things are finally to a point where we can like have sort of real birthday celebrations again. And the next round of my friends is turning 30 because the ones that are like, you know, on the younger side of the friend group, are turning 30 now. So it's like, it's nice. You get to have like real 30th birthday celebrations. Um, so yeah, we have semi breaking news. Apparently oh. Stephen Matz has a two year offer that he might accept, but it doesn't say from who. Oh, oh gosh. Maintaining so, uh-huh. the, the mystery who tweeted the mystery that? team has made a two year offer. Who, what's the source who tweeted it? Morosi. Morosi. Yeah. Because usually, like, depending on who tweets it, you can kind of guess. Kind of tell, yeah. Because the national guys, some of them are, like, more well-connected. Morosi had Syndergaard first, too. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Because some of the guys are more well-connected than other guys. Yeah. Or, like, well-connected to certain teams, I should say. Like, when, like... It's not like a one to one, like it's not like, oh, like Ken Rosenthal, it's always the Red Sox. But like, you know, there are certain groups of teams that like certain writers tend to tweet first. Yes. Um, that aren't that are the national guys that aren't like that team's beat writers. Um, so Morosi, interesting. Mm, See, yeah, he, he's hard to get a read on. 
Um, I don't know, but the 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 worth noting that the see. original reporting on like Matt's like deciding before Thanksgiving or whatever came from Sherman, and that's heavy Mets indicators. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I'm surprised it's only two years. That's that surprises me. I thought he would get more than two years, but we'll see. Unless he's doing that to see if some team will up an offer. Yeah, it could be an agency. Yeah. Week. yeah. To try to up It'll the drop ante. in there. It'll drop in there. Yeah, well, well we should we should probably find out soon. Probably like right after we hit stop, someone will tweet that it's the Mets. Um, because that's <laughs> the way this podcast always goes. But I can't we can't linger around and just wait for Steven Matz to sign. Um so that does it for the show this week. Uh leaving it off on a cliffhanger. <laughs> we will await the news just like everybody else. Um, but yeah, you should go to amazingavenue.com, check out all of our fantastic content. We just posted this morning, the finalists for the amazing Avenue off-season plan contest, which I helped judge and had a really fun time reading everybody's plans. Um, so go vote for your favorite on amazingavenue.com. Also read all of our, you know, all of our rumor posts. We've got all sorts of content for you guys. Chris McShane recently wrote a series about starting pitching targets for the Mets. You can check that out. Um, Amazing Avenue right now is doing absolutely lovely tweets, a series of tweets about being thankful for all of their all of our staff. Um, so yeah, that's really nice um, for Thanksgiving and all of that. Um, so check that out. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And you, Kellyanne? At L-R-B-E-L-L-A-R-E-B-E-E. You should subscribe to the podcast, Amazing Avenue Audio, wherever you get your podcasts from and rate and review the show. It really, really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. I hope you all have a fantastic, fantastic Thanksgiving. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcast.